Today on Talk About That, John sports a faux hawk for three years too long and writes a book about history's most patriotic duvet. Meanwhile, I want to smell like flowers and worry my own hairline is showing signs of retreat. Also, a conversation about the power of inside jokes and relationships and the importance of feeling seen and heard. Plus, an exciting special announcement about the future of the podcast. Today's episode is not sponsored by Christmas Cookie Tins. The cookies are gone. This is where your mother keeps her sewing stuff now. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. It's go time. Talk about what? Talk about that. I'm John here with Johnny. Another week, another episode, Johnny. And... I feel like there's the haters out there that we continue to defy. And uh, I wish we had some haters, actually, because we I think need we, more. we need something to rise up against. You get stronger by having more resistance. Yeah, we need opposition so that we can really figure out who we are as a person. Maybe that's why our careers as are where they people. are. We haven't had enough opposition. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's we been should... pretty smooth sailing for me. I don't know about you. <laughs> Maybe we like do an a anti-Patreon Okay. Like what we're doing is someone, they sign up mm-hmm. to like troll us and to yeah. keep pushing us down so that we then have yeah. to keep pushing ourselves up. Like a hatreon. <laughs> Give this much money and we'll stop making the show. Yes. And it's like a thermometer. I always thought it was funny when you do fundraisers and it's a thermometer. It's like, that doesn't even make any sense. You know what I'm saying? Like as you give, the thermometer goes up, but it's like, it's not temperature. <laughs> It's thousands of dollars. Well, what would be the correct? Visual? I don't know. Like a, a, a dial that goes from left to right. The oh givometer. <laughs> but that would, those dials are like for audio. Like you got to find something that's could, money related. No, it could be a Richter scale. It could be a whatever. So you're okay using earthquake or sound, just not using temperature? Yeah. It's so much money. We had an earthquake. <laughs> Thanks for giving. And now we need to raise money for the earthquake. Uh, <laughs> devastation. Relief. And what a relief it is to be back on the air with you, Johnny. Um, that was a great segue. Do you like that? No. Okay. It's a terrible, obvious segue. Yeah. You need to do better. I don't know. I think I, t- I was telling my wife, you know, we're very insecure people. Uh, Me you and, and you or you and your wife? No, my uh, wife's, I don't know. My wife, I'm trying to think, is my wife insecure? No, she's not, not compared to me. No. No. Well, who is compared to you? So Nothing compares to me. <laughs> so... I was looking at photos from this last show because there was a professional photographer that came out. I was opening for my friend Jen Fulweiler. And so she had a photographer friend come out that shoots live shows and he's really good. So she goes, you got to see these photos. And he sent them to me. And I'm doing these these expressions during the show. I don't know if I have new faces I'm doing, (laughs) 
But I'm kind of like doing this, you know, and I'm kind of, whoa, like I'm like a surprised look. And it makes kind of like my hair go back a little bit. And I, I go, I think I'm getting a five head. Curry goes, what? I go, you know, like you're not going bald, but you don't have a forehead anymore. You've got a five head. <laughs> like it's a little bit creeping back there for you. And she was like, you don't have a five head. Is that, a, is that a common expression or did you make that up? No, no, no. It's a common expression. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I'm sure you and all the kids are sitting around. All the kids are saying five head. Yeah. So, you know, I'm saying it's just a little bit bigger than a forehead. <laughs> it's a five head. So I just don't, I don't know if it's happening or if it's in, if it's all in my head, but. <laughs> I think it's all on your head. Yeah. Johnny, as a guy who has lost his hair. Yeah. I think you, I'm getting a five. I think there's no doubt about it. You don't seem to have that appearance for me. Like uh, if I do this, if I, hey, then, but if I go, whoa, and then the hairline goes, it, I feel like there's a little bit. This feels like. I have all my hair, but it's just, it's retreating. I think it's retreating. The front line is being like, hey, let's hang out back here for a minute. This feels like a New York Times bestseller calling me to complain about mm -hmm. the book life. Yeah. I don't want to hear it, Johnny. You have hair. No, but you've got a great head. So you're, wow. you're good with. You think, you think I'm just good with this. Johnny, this is what I had to settle on to survive. This is me pushing up, like we said. Like I'm, yeah. I had I had to do something. I couldn't just stay where I was. I will say this: looking at old pictures, about there was about a three year gap. Yeah, where you were still hanging <laughs> about on a three mile gap, hanging on to those scraps. And I waited about three years too long. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I look at them. I'm going, wow. Especially like at weddings and stuff mm -hmm. where I needed to wear a suit and kind of. But you look. never combed over or anything. I faux hawked. Oh, right. You did do the faux hawk. I remember The faux that. hawk was okay in the beginning. Faux hawks were a thing. And then after a while, you're faux hawking, though. And if it's any, just there's not, not a lot in the faux if hawk. If any light shines up there. Yeah. Like, it's like. It's a no hawk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, like I said, I didn't know what was under there. And mm -hmm. guys, isn't that just like our lives? Some of us are holding on to faux hawks. And you could be, yeah, you could have a nice, like, smooth, beautiful head underneath that. Yeah, like a simpler life. I say, yeah, way simpler, yeah. right? Just well, soap, and soap and water and you're done. Yeah, that is true. I don't have separate products anymore. Wow. Um, I mean, I really only have one. Yeah. I've got one of those, like, all-in-one body wash, mouthwash, toothpaste. <laughs> We, they think men are stupid in the marketplace, by the way, to do all you that stuff. You guys can't handle having multiple you don't, bottles in the shower. And the smells are all like, you know, <laughs> twisted metal or whatever. <laughs> like, just, I want to smell like lilacs. It's okay for me to smell like lilacs. Yeah. I remember that one commercial when they first came out. It was like, and it looks like it's in an oil can. Like, yeah. I remember, you know, it was like a bunch of guys marching, someone with a tuba going, men, men. It was very, yeah. Yeah. Well, we are dumb, but we're not that dumb. Right. I, so I want to smell good. Uh, you don't have to call it something fierce. Right. You know. Alpine. Yeah. Fierce Alpine. That's like an yeah. angry lumberjack. Get out of right. here. I don't want to be that. <laughs> you don't want to smell like. Yeah. The, the, the kind of like earthy adjectives that they come up with mm -hmm. for it. The people who really are out there in those environments smell awful. Right. Like if you came They're not upon a guy who had been working as a lumberjack People all like, day. like, please give me some lilacs. Right. Please. I need to, I, I'm awful. Is it lilacs? Lilacs? I think lilac. Lilac? Isn't that the, I don't know if you. Is it plural? The plural of lilac would be lilacs. I don't know. Well, what, you mean, you think lilac plural is just lilac like deer? I think if you said, I want to smell like lilac. 
Okay. Not like lilacs. That's yeah. like saying multiple lilacs. I want to smell like cedar, not like cedars. Uh, we tackle the tough questions here, guys. We do. <laughs> so I told you about the one body wash that I did have that I looked at the bottle one day and I thought, this is out of control. It had, uh, it said with menthol plus caffeine. Because caffeine can like, uh, tight, it can tighten skin that's uh, yeah. sagging and a little stuff. little crepey. I was getting a little crepey. Can help you like. Get a little turkey gobbler under here. <laughs> cinch up for you. But I just thought like, that's what I need when I'm in the shower is like menthol and caffeine. Because when I'm in there, I'm like, I could use a Newport and a cup of joe. <laughs> of course, you do take a cup of joe to the shower. I did this Because you're a maniac. <laughs> I just, I didn't, I don't, I don't drink a lot of it. Yeah. And you have to make sure. And again, the course is all covered in Ultimate Guide for the Evan Endorsement. Um on Amazon. Now available. Yeah. But um, the key to taking an open cup, which is what I took this morning, I didn't have time yeah. to go get like, you know, one of the- An open uh, cup? Like, it could get splashed in. Well, I'm explaining how you do that. You so got your we, sudsy water. So we have one of those like shower shelves, mm-hmm. you know, that you hang that has which all your stuff on. Which are for on. bath products, but you've adapted them for- As long as the top shelf of that's a wire shelf, as long as it's, yeah. you know, got enough room- you just make sure your cup is higher than the shower head. And I mean, Johnny, it's, it's, just, great, it's just science. That's a great strategy. <laughs> Waterfalls at 9.2 meters per second squared. Okay. Yeah. It's 9.8. I don't remember. I don't even know that All one. All objects follow, fall at 9.8 meters per second squared. Isn't it uh, 32 feet per second? 9.8 meters per second squared is, I believe. I always thought terminal velocity is 32 feet per second. Well, well, I'm doing a squared and you're doing a non-squared. Maybe, maybe, maybe velocity the same thing. versus, yeah, it's two different measurements. There's no way to know. There really isn't any way to know. I found myself helping Sadie with homework last night and yeah. trying to Google something that could not be Googled. Oh, really? You broke Google? Like I, I needed to know what an input-output chart looked like for a non-linear function. Oh. And this is eighth grade math. I'm going, I don't think I did this stuff till high school. Like, I don't. Trigonometry. John, John, I don't know what you just said. <laughs> and I've got my JED. Well, <laughs> I'll say it again. Guys, this is what my eighth grader, she, we needed to know, because I, I don't remember even doing this ever. And I'm yeah. a math teacher. But wow. like, I don't remember, I mean, I've done functions. Do you I think understand. kids are being asked to do more in school today? Or are you one of those that thinks that the kids are getting by? I, kids are being asked to do more. As someone involved in homework a lot yeah. and a former teacher, I do feel that they're being asked to do more than we were. But we don't hold kids back anymore either if they don't if they don't make it. Sometimes, do we? Usually, it's voluntary though. Kid, the parents there, there's a lot more. I think um, there's a lot more collaboration between yeah the the staff and the principals and the faculty and all that with parents to like hey, they what's... get together and say we're holding your kid back. <laughs> or, <laughs> the if... faculty, the janitor wants them held back. Frankly, <laughs> uh, he doesn't like what he's seeing. See, there's the myth, Johnny. Okay, if you feel like a kid's on your nerves. Then you don't want to hold him back. You don't want to hold him back. You want to get now. You're going to have one more year of that kid. My dad was a principal, you know, for years, and he mm-hmm. would always joke at me about that. Like, hey, I got a few kids that we're getting them to graduation this year. Yeah, like you know, he doesn't. He loves them. He knows they need to start their lives, and also, wow, you know, yeah, love you. Good dad. luck out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think about my dad's teacher stories all the time. They're pretty crazy. Yeah, he had some like uh, lean on me kind of stories. Oh yeah. If you know that movie, Morgan Freeman, that's, yeah. that's what movie kind of made Morgan Freeman famous. He played, it's the true story of Joe Clark, 
who was a, I think he was a principal in Detroit. Yeah. One of the worst schools. He takes it, supposedly turns it around. Although the real story behind that guy is crazy. Like that movie's very embellished from what I've heard. That guy's not a hero in real life. But anyway, the movie, he was a hero. But yeah, so your dad had some very, he didn't chain doors, did he? Because didn't he chain the he doors did. to keep the drug in, dealers out? In the movie, he did. Yeah. And then the fire marshal shows up because he has political enemies you right. know, on school board. But I'm saying, that. did your dad ever do anything like that? No, but my dad, so after Columbine, my dad. You're just like, my dad made a deal with the drug dealers. Was, he said <laughs> only between the hours of. Dad had a lot of different things going. One was after Columbine, he was the first principal as, as that we know of in America to put cameras in schools. Huh. Like as a standard thing. And then dad worked. Uh, that seems like a no brainer. I mean, other than like privacy, like you wouldn't. Yeah. And then and I know this is a, a, a really rightfully so touchy subject right now with what just happened in Texas and everything. But, you know, my dad used to work with the Justice Department. Some he would go and present and he would work with Nashville, like SWAT and other people on school evacuation. Procedures. Oh, like action plans. Yeah. So he would write procedures for all of Metro schools. Huh. Um, and so, I mean, I, you know, it's just it's just crazy. But. He would. I know when he was a teacher, especially over, you know, Maplewood High School in Nashville. It's a pretty rough school at the time. I mean, it's where we grew up in that area. But, um, you know, dad would take weapons off of kids all the time. Yeah. You know, um, he also had a policy where if another kid, if if, the, if a kid felt unsafe, something was going down, that kid could come to my dad and he promised them he would not reveal them as a source. Huh. And so one time he went to court over a situation and the judge said you have to tell me who the source was and dad said I can't I mean I'll lose I'll lose the credibility of being the safe place for all the kids in the school and the judge judge just dug in and said listen I'm going to hold you in contempt of court if you don't reveal your source Uh and dad said I I can't do it and and, uh, I remember I was probably nine or ten when this happened you thought dad might be going to jail well he said I'm going to reschedule this hearing for tomorrow and if you show up unwilling to reveal your source just go ahead and bring your toothbrush because you're going to spend the night in jail yeah he told him yeah so dad came home of course looking back mom and i were talking about this other day you know of course dad's passed on now but my dad probably loved this like, oh he was yeah such, he was such a um well you get to actually like stand yes. for a principle stand it's for, very it's a cool moment yeah stand for but also right. you don't want to go to jail no but i don't think the guy was gonna lock him up for life or something one of those kids you graduate it's gonna be in there in the cell next to you hey <laughs> Thanks a lot. Well, we prayed because, you know, the whole family was like, oh, yeah. you know, dad go to jail. Mm-hmm. And he went in the next day to court and that judge had gotten sick or something. And it was a different judge who just dismissed it, who didn't wow. make dad do it. So it was like a real moment for us. Like, oh, wow. It, so you're saying you think God made the guy sick? Uh, I think God it, answered our prayers. I don't know how he did so. <laughs> I don't know if he was stomach sick. bug from on high. Come on now. But yeah, I just, I, I've got some great stories of dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, he was that. I remember in that movie, the, 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 the scene in the movie with Joe Clark, I always remember, is when the drug dealers are in the school mm-hmm. and one of them pulls a switchblade on another kid. Right. Joe Clark runs in the middle of it. Of course, he always carried a bullhorn because yeah. he was always you know talking in the halls. And that guy comes after Joe Clark. Because the very beginning of the movie is real graphic. Like they're, Remember that guy? They're beating up that teacher at the mm-hmm. beginning. And they just take his head and just smash it on the right. on the hard floor for like, like twenty times, and like the dude's just busted open. It's yeah. nasty, you know. And it's dangerous, you know. Clark then he comes at him with the knife and he uses the bullhorn, yeah, to block the to switchblade. block the switchblade and like just punch the. Of course, the dude's an adult, yeah, and he's like a nineteen, twenty year old drug dealer. But um, I just always remember how like 
that was that was such a I don't know a, a striking moment for yeah, me. Yeah, you like, can. Yeah. Justice, you know. <laughs> In real life, there's probably a lot of legalities involved, but yeah. that's why he's locking the doors. Yeah. So, man, yeah, the real story behind that guy is worth googling because I think I saw an article about it. It was like basically it was an, a listicle about, which is my favorite kind of articles because I'm kind of neurodivergent, so I'm just like, the, I like a paragraph about this, then a paragraph about this, then yeah. a paragraph about this. I like things laid out that way, and uh, so it was about like. 10 movies based on true stories that are total BS, basically. Did Blindside make the cut? Blindside was one. Yeah. Remember the Titans? There was a lot of sports ones. Yeah. Remember the Titans was one that was, like, so glaring because evidently, like, the movie, uh, the school had been integrated forever, first of all. And then the movie, uh, the end game where they barely win or whatever, I think they beat that team, like, 52 to 9 or something, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, so it was kind of like they just added a little Hollywood magic to all the whole story. Wow. But, but I mean, that's okay, I get. I mean, it's one of those things like when you're watching a movie that's based on a true story, it does give it an oh, extra right. oomph because you're like, this really happened? But yeah. we know now, I think our culture now is a little bit more wary. Like we've, we've been privy to 20 years of reality shows that we know have writers. Yeah. So when you see like at the end of a reality show, we started seeing like written by and you're like, hold on a minute. Wait a second. Yeah. This isn't just cameras set up in a room. Yeah. And. So now we're conditioned to be like, well, yeah, of course we know this is probably like they added some like Aaron Brockovich was a good person, but there's probably a lot about Aaron Brockovich that they're not putting in here. You know, I struggle with it. Obviously, you know, I told that story before that I did a book based on a true story once yeah. that was fictionalized in, mm -hmm. in places. And I remember got I remember one scathing comment. Mm hmm. It was like, how did a bunch of Christians manage to get together and take this incredible story of this guy? And I was like, I didn't respond to it, but it was like, you, you know, found a way to ruin it. It's like, you know, that guy was the author. Like, yeah, <laughs> like he's he, a collaborator. Right. Like he wanted, he, he knows it's not like we took his story and twisted it away from him. You yeah. know, like he, but I, and I have a historical thing I've mentioned a few times I'm working on. And I think and I've gone away. My original ideas years ago were that maybe you write like something that's dramatic, you know, because it, it, I think I write in this non-dramatic form, like it's stranger than fiction in some ways or more remarkable. Mm -hmm. Um, specifically I'll, I'll tell one story. Okay. I can't tell that cause it's going to, it's going to burn the book then. If John, I do that, it? such a tease. Should I tell you it? Always do this. I mean, no one out there is going to write this, right? No, no. So the guy that named the American flag, right? Old glory. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll tell later why why I would be interested in that because that may not seem like the kind of story I'd want to write, but there's a reason, and it's an incredible historical, you know, journey, and it occurred you know before, during, and after the Civil War in Nashville, and so he had the original Old Glory. He was a, he was a captain from Salem, Massachusetts, who had sailed around the world twice, spent 20 years at sea, retired after the death of his first wife into Nashville, married again. Remarried, by the way, a the niece of his brother-in-law, I think, and she was fifteen, and he was like thirty, which is mm. common in eighteen, you know, forties. It's a different time, yeah. And so he's living here, and Old Glory is like his thing, and he had a house down on Fifth Avenue, which was then called Summer Street, Southern End of Summer Street, and on Washington's birthday, um. 
Jefferson's birthday, I think, and on St. Patrick's Day, which was this guy's birthday, mm-hmm. he would they would take a rope and hang the flag. It was a thirty, excuse me, I forget the dimensions. Of the flag it was big. Hang the flag across the street and like parades and processionals, people would come by. It was like a big celebration, you know, a big patriotic celebration in front of his house. Yeah. And he would he would tie it to a locust tree. His son would have his son tie it to a locust tree across the street. So there's pictures, you know, of that house and where the tree was. And so as the war gets closer, you know, there's I mean, we were talking about breakfast this morning, like there's just violence erupting between neighbors. <laughs> yeah. And um sometimes it's just to settle old scores like it's just it it uncorked this thing that was already inside of them well um they come the the democratic governor of tennessee named ishman harris who was a secessionist who wanted to secede and tennessee was the last state to leave the mm-hmm. union and so it was a, it was a long drawn out sort of process he sent these this band, he called it a committee of Confederate sympathizers to this guy's house on Fifth Avenue, Summer Street, then demanding to find Old Glory, the flag, because everyone knew it was there. So they, it went from like being the celebrated, you know, sort of right, now it's like contraband. Relic. Now it's contraband because they're about to be behind enemy lines. And uh, the old guy just faced him down like he was this old sea captain and he was just stubborn and defiant. And um, you want to do a voice? Of his voice, yeah, the sea captain. <laughs> well, I think he, he the, the the historical narrative Just trying to add some literally color says to he's them. actually sent two two groups, if if not more, to his house. Yeah, and he was one of them. He said one of the guys was a neighbor, actual neighbor of his named Dick McCann, mm-hmm. and Dick McCann was leading this this group of gorillas up to the dude's house, and he just walked out on the porch, and they came into the gate on the front yard, and he just said, "Dick, I've known you my whole life, or known you your whole life. If you want my flag, you'll take it over my dead body." Mm. And so they just like, hey, let's just leave the old man alone, and they left. But they never found the flag. Well, then when the Union came, it wasn't the Battle of Nashville. That wasn't until 1864, but in early 1862 when the Union, you know, sort of recaptured, really – really the battle was the was Fort Donaldson. Yeah. And they thought that was going to protect Nashville. Well, when that fell to Ulysses S. Grant, they knew they were coming to Nashville, and Nashville was a key – like railroad center, especially a supply line into the South. And so it was, it was captured early in the war and it remained in, under union control the entire war after 1862. And when they know that Grant and – well, Grant's armies, it's not Grant's, actually General Nelson's army are coming, mm-hmm. everyone freaks out. Like the governor gets on a horse and starts riding through the streets like causing panic, telling everybody to run because they yeah. had like three or four days probably. But – I mean, the Confederates just flee, you know, because they're going to be destroyed and they want to, you know, be able to regroup. And so when the Union soldiers finally arrive, they come to this guy's house, or he comes actually and finds them, and he pulls out a quilt and he takes out a pair of scissors and they start cutting open the quilt. And his, he had had two Unionists, the daughters of, of a Unionist neighbor, two daughters, in secret sew Old Glory into a quilt. Hmm. And literally he says, and he, of course he became pretty famous after this and there was articles all over the country and there's a couple of books written about him back in the late, you know, 18th, excuse me, 19th century. And, um, he literally had slept. This is what I'm saying. It's just stranger than fiction. The guy slept under old glory every night for eight months during the Confederate wow. occupation. They couldn't find his flag and he literally was, was sleeping under it, which I just think you can't write that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, like you it was like in the quilt, like between the two linings. So it's really a duvet. <laughs> it's a duvet it was of like a freedom. Du- Old duvet. That's what they called it. That's uh, what I call it. <laughs> and he marched up to the state capitol about a mile from his house right. and climbed all the way to the top. 
and raised Old Glory over Nashville with his own hands, and it flew all night, and he stood guard over it, took it down the next morning because the wind was causing damage, mm-hmm. and like it became, again, a national, not just, it's a moniker now for the American right. flag in, in, in general, but there yeah. was an original Old Glory. and uh, That's crazy. Yeah. Someday I'll tell you why I would research that And story. then he got home, and his wife was like, what have you done to this quilt? <laughs> like, I appreciate everything you've been I, through, but yes, um, you're going to help me stitch this back. You think these just grow on trees? Um, I don't know where quilts grow. Yeah. I wish I did. But it was a, it's a, and by the way, three of his sons, two fought for the Confederacy and one was too young to fight for the Confederacy, but he was a, he was a secessionist. So talk about awkward Thanksgiving dinner. Hmm. I mean, this is happening in, this is here, you know, like it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a crazy. crazy time. You talk about how divided we are today. I, I'd actually take comfort in seeing how divided we've been before. That um, we could come back together. Well, that we can survive. Yeah. And that I think there can be better days. I think there's some people that never stop being divided. It's just that they stop. Perhaps a mindset becomes more acceptable. Because yeah. the truth is, during Reconstruction and Post, it wasn't like America became less racist. Right. Like, actually, racism. Well, it's like the old Martin Luther King thing of, like... uh a law can't keep a law can't make someone love me, but it can keep him from lynching me. Yeah, and he said, "I think that's pretty important." Yeah, that was the end of that quote. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's like sometimes, yeah, you, you're not going to change people's hearts, but you can move the needle and make them slowly. You can slowly bring about change. Yeah, and I think it's important. Yeah, I do think again, it it what's inside of us matters. You know, and it's sort of the the study I'm doing is sort of like through that period, not all the way from the beginning necessarily, but the the sort of evolving definitions of patriotism, mm-hmm. you know, because you had soldiers like Robert E. Lee who had, I mean, what was it? A, a union hero during the Mexican American war yeah. had taken an oath, a solemn oath to defend the United States and the constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And that was patriotism to him. And then somewhere along the line in his own generation, like he remeasured and recut what patriotism meant. Mm -hmm. And now it felt more patriotic. I think that there was tension there to send like bullets towards the boys in blue that he had been commanding before who were wearing the same uniform he had once worn. I mean, think about how personal that was to be a commanding officer. And now you're you're going to order the killing of your own former army. And everybody who fought for the Confederacy, for the most part, like all the generals on both sides, all went to school together at at West Point. Yeah, it's crazy. Like uh, I forget which one was it Longstreet, the Confederate general, who had been a good friend of Ulysses S. Grant. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like they were together, and and they were friends after the war. Like it's just crazy to think all these people who had, but the oaths and the idea, like we sort of wax eloquently with rhetoric about patriotism today. Mm-hmm. Always have in American history, and I think it has a place. But like people redefine it. Oh yeah, that floating definition of it. Yeah. What so, makes a patriot? So a patriot is is someone. The people who are attacking the Capitol on January sixth call themselves patriots, right? And the people who are defending the Capitol are also called patriots. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the dissonance of American freedom a little bit. Like there is a revolutionary spirit that's always been difficult to corral. That was necessary to secure our independence, but it's always been, it's always been, again sort of like this this wild horse that's difficult to hold together in maintaining a peaceful uh, government of that independence yeah. together. So, yeah. 
Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. I wonder what it would take for me to turn against you. Uh, a civil war, I would hope. Um, well, I'm, you know, just what position? Yeah, what? Yeah. I, th- you know what? That's a great question. I think we should all ask. I know you said it maybe in jest, but yeah. I well. think I think there have been people I thought in my life. There's no way we'd ever be at odds, mm-hmm. and where we became at odds, and you just go, you you can't imagine. I think that's why. You know, there's a scripture that says, uh, endeavor to maintain the spirit of unity in the bond of peace. Mm-hmm. And I think endeavor is a key word there. Like you need to make a lot of effort right? because these things may not hold together like you think they will. If you want the bond of peace to hold, yeah. you got to hold it together. It's not just holding together on its own. You're going right. to have to put, keep putting pressure on it. Yeah. I was think that about when I talk to people who are like newlyweds, I was like, you won't like accidentally stay together. Yeah. You got to stay together. Yeah. You know. Wow, that's good. And uh, like even when you talk about people who are trying to have business success, like there are things you need to do to accomplish success in business. They won't, none of them will accidentally happen. Yeah. They all take a lot of effort. And because um, sometimes I think we see some people who are successful or they're happy or they're, they have strong relationships and you just think like, oh, these lucky people. And I just, I don't know if I believe that. I think there's a lot. I mean, I've been blessed with a lot of things, but man. Most of what I've gotten, it's like I can see steps along the way. I've taken to preserve something or, you know, yeah. maintain something. I'm a both and guy on that. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Well, I just do. I do. Maybe maybe it says I focus on that more than I ever have. That maintenance side. Like I when I just did a marriage conference and I talked about it because I have a bit that I talk about driving junky cars my whole childhood mm-hmm. and when i see somebody giving like a, a brand new car to their 16 year old kid i'm like what kind of monster are you making <laughs> right. you know what are you doing yeah and i was like, i got my first car to the classifieds it was a 1973 buick electra it was mint green and this was the 90s it was not the 70s it was right. not cool and so but i talk about it at this marriage conference and i kind of brought up this point of the check engine light and all the lights came on on my dash and i was like i did not grow up i said you're at a marriage conference you are, some of you guys have good marriages and you're trying to like, it's in this, it's a spirit of like maintenance. I said, I did not grow up in a maintenance type family. <laughs> we did not take the car to the shop until the check engine light came on. Right. And so it's almost and like even this. Then. Right. And that's the, if we didn't have the money, we're just like, well, put some black tape over that. Yeah. But it's like that thing of we wait until the house is on fire yeah, before we do anything. And a lot of times in our relationships or in our marriages or with our vehicles, and sometimes you just live that lifestyle. So I think I'm more of a maintenance guy than I ever have been. I see preventative maintenance as a big deal. 
Yeah. I go get a physical every year now. Whereas I think the first, you know, in your twenties, you're just like, I'm invincible. Right. You know, I'll go when I have gut pain or whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to whatever. Why would I, what am I going to take a day? One of my days off right. and go to the doctor. Are you crazy. Now I'm just like, all right, I got Tuesday off. Let me get the dentist out of the way. Let me mm-hmm. get to, I'm going to go get all my blood work done for the year. It's like, uh, that's just something I do. And I like, I'm glad when I did it. That feels good. That's a good day to me. Yeah. But that's just me in my forties. I'm just that guy now, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, especially when you get good stuff back and you're like, okay, we're, we're okay. Yeah. I bought myself another year of eating at Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is <laughs> Let's like, go this, celebrate. There is this, I think for those of us who've like, again, my dad died of congestive heart failure. Mm-hmm. So my grandfather had, major heart surgery like you know i i look ahead yeah probably at an earlier age i was looking ahead you know in some ways and i'm also you know made as a forecaster a little bit you know trying to avoid the negative i try to i want to avoid pain that's avoidable Mm -hmm. it's avoidable pain that hits you that drives me the most crazy if it's unavoidable it's just life yeah if it was something i could have done then i just it's like a whole other level of you see the train coming and everybody else is just like playing on the tracks and you're like no yeah well, and I've used that exact analogy a few times because there have been a few things in leadership and relationship even that I have seen coming. I've told people, it's like I see this coming from a mile away and I'm trying like, to get would, us off the tracks and it still hit us and I don't know how. Would you like, say you see the train coming? It's coming around the bend and. <laughs> <sighs> oh, Johnny. And then you shot a man in Reno. Just I, I just, I really, I really think, you know, by the way, when I first got in your car, it absolutely had black tape over the, the black tape over the check engine light. It may have. Yeah, oh, it did. Yeah, yeah. No, when we laughed about it. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that was that was, the, then, that was the Valari. The other part of it is you get a car stereo louder than your car problems. Crank that thing up. <laughs> You're like, what engine noise? Exactly. All I hear is Aerosmith. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I had the Valari. That was a that was something. That car. Yeah. It, it was something. That's one of those ones where you had to warm it up. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just jump in and go because mm-hmm. it would die. Yeah. You'd put it in gear and hit the gas and go, it would just die. So every day we would start it up. My wife and I would take her to work. We shared a car for like a couple of years of our marriage. So I'd put it in reverse and we'd back up and then it would die on the way to like us backing. And I would just let it coast to a stop in reverse. What with a dead engine. Said and I would just look over at her and I'd go, man, this thing's running quiet. <laughs> Every time. Every time. And it would always make me laugh and it would never make my wife laugh. <laughs> she would just be like, just get me to work yeah. and start it up again. Uh, I have a few of those things. Yeah. Laura look at me and she'll go, really? Like this, you think this is good timing or whatever? And it's, like, it's weird. Those things in your marriage, I think a lot of marriages have it, but there's just things you always say to each other yeah. that... They're like a throwaway thing. It's not like it's some hilarious thing, but like one thing that I do is uh, if laundry starts getting like, if we have just like even a half a basket of laundry or a full load of laundry, back in the day, we would just let laundry go for a while. And I'd be like, we, and one time, this is like early on in our marriage, I said something like, we just need to go to the laundromat and like knock this all out. This is going to take all day. Let's just go. We'll get four machines going, blah, blah, blah. And we're not doing that. We're not going and sitting with our clothes. We have a... And I go, okay. So literally that was, I mean, we've been here 27 years to this day. If there's like a, st- a basket of towels or whatever, I just go, sweetie, let's just take today. 
Let's just go to the laundromat, and she'll 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 stop me every time. She'll be like, "Will you stop it? It's not funny. It's not funny. We're not because I'm not serious, but it's just like that thing of like, sweetie, this laundry's getting backed up. We just need to go. We just need to go to a laundromat or something. I don't know. I mean, I know we've got one machine, but we could get four or five things on this. We go, man. Do you still do it? Huh? Oh, I still say it. Yeah, yeah. I still say it all the time. And sometimes it's like a couple of socks in the basket, but I'll just still say like, yeah, this laundry. <sighs> It's I'm great. exhausted to be married to, I'm sure. Well, mine, you probably, know, you probably know where it came from because we share this one. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the original joke. With the, it was one of those things where there, wasn't a, there was no setup. There was only a punchline. And so having no setup yeah. is almost funnier. Mm-hmm. So it, it broke in. Maybe it was SNL or something. It breaks in and the guy's like, you never heard the first half, but the end of the joke was, the doctor says, wrecked him. All right. Dang near, Dang near killed, killed him. him. Yeah. And so... Some like that. That joke has. I don't even know. You know where it came right, from. Right, that's an old like street joke right. from like fifties and sixties. And it probably. came yeah. so so for whatever reason. Now anything that ends with um, yeah, I say like for example, Dang I, near, I, yeah. I did it at at the staff t- meeting this week. Yeah, someone said, "Yeah, we can do that Christmas song by Phil Wickham." I go, "Wickham, Wickham, Dang, Dang near right. killed him." Like, and people have no idea what I'm talking no. about, but I do it every. It's funny to you, and that's enough. Every single time. My wife, though, she'll look at, if you say, if you say Wickham, darn near killed him, or whatever. <laughs> and then now what she'll do, I though, will leave you. What she does now, though, is she says it occasionally. Mm-hmm. So, like, she knows the joy. Right. Like, the joy. She's doing it, it for you now. Well, but she knows it's not funny because it's funny, and it's not funny right. because I think it's funny. It's funny because I know she doesn't think it's funny, and she's still saying. Yeah. Like, there's so many layers. That's to beautiful. It. It's That's, 22 yeah. years of marriage. You're like, yeah. this is this is amazing. Like, That's beautiful. This is everything that I ever wanted. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a there's a hundred like any kid, like, <laughs> like I, I think of all the kids in their last name. You know, yeah. just like Wickham. Any kid in the volleyball team that has a last name like that, I'll say it. You know what I'm saying? And no one knows. And I realize the staff are so young. Most of them, they have no idea. They don't know the original I don't even know the original. It's now just morphed. I don't know. But And and to tell them and explain it, you know, it's kind of like Roy always says, Pastor Roy always says, anytime, Mm -hmm. anytime we're talking about paving a parking lot or something, Uh if it ever comes up, man, today they put down new asphalt. He always says. Whose fault? Yeah. Every time. If you Mm -hmm. say asphalt, Roy says whose fault. And if he doesn't understand what you just said, he'll go, shot who? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? If he doesn't understand you, he'd be like, so you'll mumble something. He goes, shot who? <laughs> no, Roy. No one was shot. I don't know where that even came from. He's uh, got a bunch of those because he was a carny. Yeah. Roy's got like a bunch of those. Self-proclaimed carny. We're not using a derogatory term. That's what he calls himself. No, he himself. was a carny. Yeah. He worked at a carnival. So, traveling carnival. But so, yeah, he has a lot of those like, yeah. he's like a he's like the most worldly wise street smart person that we've probably ever known. Like he's got all of that like, had to live on his wits. Right, he was for home, years he was of his life. At one point, yeah. lived behind a dumpster. So lady. he has all of that stuff where he's got a million street jokes and a million little like witticisms and weird, uh, you know, sayings. Well, you know, his book title he always wanted to do someday was "I Ran Away from the Circus to Join a Home." Right. Yeah. He it was didn't, a perfect he title. He didn't reverse. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's a, it's a. I don't know. I love those little things because in Roy and I even. Anytime if something's said, we kind of glance at each other. Mm. We can start laughing without either one of us dropping the punchline. Yeah. We're saying the thing, you know, like, because you, you have the, the unspoken. Right. I think those are like, they're almost like relationship savers. When you have all that history with somebody, you have all those inside yeah. jokes in a, in a marriage, you get them. Yeah. Like, I think every marriage has that thing where if, you, if you're walking into a party, 
you kind of have those signals of like, all right, if I do this, you get me out of there. Or if I touch my head or if I, whatever. Right. If I someone say, makes a five head joke, if someone say, <laughs> right, get me out of here. <laughs> if someone says rectum darn near killed him, <laughs> you get me out of there. But yeah, I always, <laughs> but some of it's just so funny. I just do it. I do it just to make her smile. It's not even, it's not even that funny. It's no. just, I, it, it, some of it's dumb. Like it's, it's like, uh, I always wonder if we're on a plane, I'll be like, all right, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Five minutes later, you come in. <laughs> like, I'm always trying to, like, there's no way, like, no. first of all, two people can't fit in an airplane no. bathroom, but it's always like, mile high club, let's go. No. So anytime, I, so like, we're, we'll be at a doctor's point, I'll be like, all right, I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you wait five minutes. That sounds like something I would, yeah. <laughs> She's so like, great. Johnny, stop it. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun to be. Yeah. A little, a chida just a little bit. And, yeah, it and, is. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I still got it. Like, I'm right. I'm but meanwhile, she's probably like, I if he does that one more me. time, I'm going to leave him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that joke. I've totally underestimated, like, I've, I've overestimated how cute it really is. She's I, like, this is all exhausting. I used your joke in premarital counseling the other night with somebody. Oh, no. I was like, guys, you know, and they know you. So I was like, you know, remember Johnny's joke? I was talking about not interrupting each other. <laughs> I was like, he says, you know, you know, before you get married, it's like, he, he knows me so well. How do you say he? We finish each other's sentences. Finish, he finishes know, my sentences. Yeah, two yeah. years later, it's like, he won't let me finish a sentence. You know, I <laughs> yeah. was like, this you, guy. that's a big, yeah. a, I've learned that certain people, and I don't want to go all Enneagram, but it's so, it's so key because even in the way we lead the staff, nines, um, are the worst one. Of, <laughs> no, there's no, no good there's or no bad. Good or bad. Uh, but they're they're kind of known for like like they want their voice to be heard or mm-hmm. they or the the lie that they believe is that their voice doesn't matter. Okay, and so nines are nines are strong people. This is not strong or weak. There's just there's something really striking about. I can almost always pick out a nine if we're at a table because they're the person everyone talks over. Oh right, and not just because they're soft spoken. There's something else there. Yeah, like I've known some. I've known some pretty you know, uh, I guess loud spoken nines but it's still there's something about it it's just easy for the other types to like steamroll them yeah and they're not even trying they usually don't even know they're doing it and so like i now feel because i'm I'm paying attention to that Mm -hmm. like i have ways of making sure the nines voice is heard at the table like hey i think you know johnny was going to say something you know like I'll make sure I'm paying it because it doesn't even bother them a lot of the time. Yeah. Now that's, it's some internal messaging, but they're so used to it. They just kind of keep going and waiting for their next spot to jump in, you know, while like the eights and the sevens and the threes are just like, you know, they're saying whatever they want to say, you know, the ones, and then, you know, you have others who kind of hold back and, uh, and that's not, everyone doesn't all do that the same way. Everyone's got their own unique personality, but. And it's, it's, people are different if they're around like close friends too. They feel more. Oh Yeah. Yeah, like if I'm with, like I'm more talkative at dinner with friends, but if I was at a dinner party and I didn't know anybody and I would like, if sometimes I'll be invited to do an event and they'll say, Hey, we've got a spot for you at our table. And I don't want to be that guy that's like, actually, I'm just going to hang out in the green room until I come out. Like if I feel weird about doing that, I'll go, okay. Now if I sit at that table, I will totally like wait my turn Uh huh. because I do not feel the need to just hold court. In fact, I'm afraid of holding court. And failing at it and then having to get up and perform. And they go, that wasn't that funny yeah. at the table. And then now they're just like, they're, I'm in the hole with them. Uh-huh. So I just try to be like, whatever, just low key. 
But if it's with friends, yeah, I'll totally, I find myself, I got to catch up. I got to tell you the latest story. I got to give my opinion on things. Yeah. I actually heard, you know, it's funny you say that because I heard somebody I know is a, a nine married to a two. And one of the ways they feel close is she's willing to interrupt him. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't interrupt anybody else. Right. But that's intimacy. She'll interrupt him. That, that's what we have, John. <laughs> I don't think we have it exactly. We, we interrupt each other. We, well, the whole thing's kind of built on yeah. conversation, Johnny. Well, I just feel like I knew what, I know what you're getting at. And let's go ahead and step on it. Let's go. (laughs) Johnny, I'm sick of it. Um, I took to episode 231 to finally say enough is enough. Wow. Hey, speaking of, I've got a big announcement. Oh, good. Yeah. We're finally going to do it. Today's the day to make the announcement. I've had a couple people ask me, like, you keep teasing this announcement. We've been teasing it too long. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Eventually it sounds made up. If we had teased this. It's like the cult leader that's like, hey. Hey. Something's coming. The spaceship's coming. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, guys, the spaceship is not it's coming. It's not coming, yeah. If we teased Johnny's hair on the front as much as we teased this, then you would have like a six head by now. Like, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we teased my hair? Literally teased it? Teased it. Okay. Which is an interesting term for that. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you call it that? It's like, hey, we're going to make this stand up with more Do people volume. still tease hair? Women don't tease hair anymore, do they? I don't. You're asking me like I know anything about that. I don't know. You ever see Laura teasing her hair? I don't know. It's when they take the comb and they like go back a, like and forth a, like it's a... I feel like a pick teases yeah. a hair, like a hair pick. <sighs> People are just shouting and or, driving cars into bridge embankments right now. Like a hockey... Anyway. So, um, the announcement yeah. is that... Hockey? What? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of the toe pick on a hockey okay. on a, a hockey skate. All right, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. A toe pick, which is a reference to what movie? I don't... You don't remember... No. Ooh, this is a re- Johnny. This is a great obscure movie reference. You oh, should- is this going to be the one that's? Uh, hold on a minute. I know this is like a. Uh, it was a, a love story, right? Yeah. I can't remember. The Cutting Edge. Cutting Edge, which it- only you saw. No, Cutting Edge is a. But in, yeah, she was a figure skater. <sighs> was he was a, a hockey, skater, and, yeah, and he didn't have a toe pick, and so he kept falling when he was learning how to figure skate. And she'd go toe pick every day. Okay. Um, she she enjoyed watching him fall because they were opposites attract, and she, and then she and then they fell grew in love to love. Him, and they, so. yeah. Well, he grew to love her. She was the difficult one in that movie for sure. That's the whole thing. Like she's the yeah. She's like the very very rich, and so she kind of yeah. comes to Suffer understand to break the through. world a little more. Where, yeah, and the other working people, class guy has to right. yeah. earn her so, affection. Yep, it's um, she's an uptown girl living in her uptown world. Uh, anyway, announcement. Announcement is uh, that talk about that podcast has signed with a podcast network. Yeah. We are now going to we're, be in a podcast network. We're going legit. Yep. It's called Life Audio. Yep. And uh, it should be by somewhere in, in early to mid-December. You should start hearing. You'll hear different things. Uh, we'll we'll reference Life Audio Podcast Network. Yeah. And uh, you also perhaps even begin hearing some uh, ads from other podcasts on that network. And we'll be doing the same on theirs. They actually also have a whole history uh, podcast network that's sort of like a sister network and stuff. We may do some work with them as well. But just uh, beginning, we're working on this actually all year. Um, there were different possibilities, and, and this was a real, I guess it's a blessing to be able to, to find a team that we feel excited to work with and in terms of marketing, in terms of uh, helping this podcast reach more people. So, uh, yeah. So, hey, Johnny, congratulations. Look, we had many suitors, and we decided... We decided to go with Life Audio. Right. And we feel good about it. Right. And we hope they feel good about it. 
But, but we're not counting on it. We're not counting on it. And uh, to those of you out there like, oh, will this make the podcast lame? We don't know. We don't know. We're going to find out together. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's going to be great. Yeah, podcasts should. There are fans of the show, so. Yeah. Uh, that's that's always a good thing. They when they when we went into the meetings with them, that's one of the things that kind of swayed us was they were already listeners to the show and yeah. liked the show and liked it the way it is. So yeah, we like it when people say, "Hey, don't change don't change, it, <laughs> <laughs> don't you go? Yeah, you guys are perfect just as you are, which we know is not true. No, it's not because we feel like we should be close to true. So you, we may we may add or take away here and there, but everybody kind of we actually have had a long process here of vetting with a lot of different possible partners and some and others and um that was interesting feedback like despite what johnny says often on the podcast like well wish we did more of this from this people, why is your impression of me I, I, wish, I wish we did more of this and we could be better you know and i always tell you like don't tell them all the reasons not to like us johnny like let them figure it out on is that own. A, is that a six thing is that what so, you're gonna say is that my six no i don't know what that is <laughs> but the need, you can't put a type on the that. need to self-destruct and sabotage. But I mean, they we did hear from everyone, and, and I think that's what we hear from our viewers as well. Like, hey, we know this can improve a lot, but it's generally the chemistry, of the conversation between friends that everybody kind of comes for, you know. And they do learn things along the way. But that's been fun, and I think it is a testament. I hope we all find relationships like what we get to have. Like, a, you don't get a twenty-five year friendship very often that you have all the inside jokes. And you all can't. Stuff. You can't make old friends, John. Mm, you can. Wow. See? Yeah, that's good. See what I did? That's actually a, a song. I think it's a couple songs. Benjamin but... Franklin said that, or was it? No. Oh. I think it was Ben Rector. <laughs> Rector? Darn. Okay. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> ben Rector does have a song called Old Friends, and it's great. Yeah. yeah. You can't make old friends. Uh, by the Not way. Not a sponsor. Uh, well, anyway, th- thank you to Life Audio Podcast Network. We look forward to joining... Uh, your slate of amazing podcasts and being a part of it. Your so. roster, as it were. Yeah. We're, it's a deep bench now, we hope. Yeah. We're way down the bench. Yeah, they're like, you listen. We're like the 12th man. You're probably not going to see the field. If we're up 40, uh, we might get in. Right. Or down 40. You're like the fourth string quarterback walk-on. Yeah, that's okay. We'll yeah. hold the clipboard for you guys. That's fine. We're calling plays. We're going to learn yeah. as we go. I want to be those guys on the sideline like using the hand gestures yes. with you know calling the plays. That dude stands there. One of those guys, I'm assuming, is there's three of them with three different mm-hmm. you know, colored jerseys on and hats, and they put the black cloth behind them so the guys in the field can see it. And the two of them are decoys. Only one of them is calling the plays for that day. Oh, right. That's what they're doing. That Interesting. For. So some guy's job that day is to yeah. call dummy plays with the same enthusiasm as the other two guys. Man. Or the other one guy. Wait. Yeah, the other two. So we could be those dummy plays. We're the dummy plays, guys, in the sidelines. Like it's not nothing's really happening. We're just making all the same noises and gestures as the guys around us who are really doing this. Coaching on television with live video and live streaming is so funny because the way it's morphed is you know they have spies on all the sidelines, so now these coaches have to hold up their Denny's menu with all the plays on it and cover their mouths with it. <laughs> right. And like say the plays into their microphone because there's a lip reader on the other team. But you know those plays it's not like they're saying run the ball left. Like right. they have names. Saying yeah, monkey like, hairbrush. Right, Charlie right. Vector. You know, like there's all yeah. these. It's, it's like, could you really read it that easily? Especially when you run an offense that runs a play every 17 seconds. I like the ones in college where they just hold up like the picture. It'll be like an eyeball, and then like Paris Hilton, and then right. you know, and then the, oh, those all mean something depending on where they are in yeah. the grid. Oh yeah, yeah. Paris she- Hilton's eyeball. There's another. <laughs> it's, a, it's really it's a whole thing. It is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're excited. Life Audio. Uh, I don't know what to say. We're we're thrilled. We're thrilled to have a, a partner, and uh, and we're going to grow this thing 
very exciting. We've been doing this a few years, so. Yeah. And we love our audience, and we're hoping this will help us reach a new audience. Yeah. But but it can continue to reach the audience that we have. Please. Listen, please don't. <laughs> There's something we could say that would make you stay. Please imagine we've already said that thing. Yeah. We would say it. Yeah, if we knew what it was. There's, let's be honest. If you listen this long, you know there's very little we're not willing to say. That's true. You know what I'm saying? So just imagine we've already that's said That's one it. thing that's true, and I said this to a buddy the other day. Like, if nothing else with this podcast, I'm glad we did it because, like, if I die, there's like 200 and something hours of my personality. Yeah. Like, there's nothing to hide. Like, if you listen to this, you know who I am and how I think about things probably. Yeah, because we just the filter is just not there. I mean, we don't. There's things we don't say that we would might say at lunch that we might not say on the right. air. We might not say it in the same way, but we talk about the same exact things usually. Yeah, um, and our opinions just come out, you know. And sometimes we our opinions go. Oh, I didn't know I felt that way about that until yeah. we talked about it. So that's good. But I just think like it's been that in that way it's been kind of a gift that you know it's almost like a time capsule. Oh, I completely agree. Um, and so. It's almost, you know, like when they do the big uh, in memoriam, they just play 200 hours of us. Gosh, it would be amazing. People are just stuck in their chairs. Yeah. How many weeks would that be? Let's see. It's how a many, long time. How many How many hours are in a week? There's no way to find it. 24 times 7 would be 100 and... Give or take. 54? Yeah. So, yeah, people could listen a straight week. Yeah. Before one of our funerals or both. And if you'd like to do that, listener, you can go to talkaboutthatpodcast.com. We're not dead, by the way. Uh, I don't think. Although we're recording this on a Thursday, it comes out on a Monday. This would be really... Lock it, lock it happen. Do you know? Lock it I'm taking a road trip as soon as I finish recording this. Jeez, it's very morbid. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. lock it happen. But if if so, uh, I'm with the Lord. Um, talk about that podcast.com. That's all the archived episodes. <laughs> you can listen to those. Uh, comment, subscribe, uh, share, do all that. The algorithm... Uh, loves it when you do that, and we love it when you do it too. Yeah. Go to Patreon, kick in some shekels. Go to our link tree. You can find all of our social links, including John's latest book, which is behind him now, called More Than a Number. Well, it's not necessarily my latest book. Well, one of your latest. Yeah, one of my latest here. Yeah, More Than Your Number. I'm going to put a new book behind me maybe every couple of weeks. I had a suggestion that you might put a book that's not your book behind you yeah. every now and again. Just mix in. I, I can't. As our, as Although say, you've our, written 28 books or whatever. Are you going to write? an ad at the end of every show for another comedian? Like mentioning, well, I mention other books all the time, but do you want me to actually put it behind me and promote it? Wow. Would it kill you? <laughs> Look, Johnny, my career couldn't get any worse. No, stop it. it. You got a great career. What I need to do is go like find a discount price on some other guy's book that people want to read and, mm-hmm. then, and then upcharge it. Like There you go. I mean, I think we call that. Sell it live on the air. Just retail. Yeah. But I don't want to become a retailer because I hate selling things. Yeah. So there's there's the rub, really. I wonder if they're aware that I have no inner monologue right now. This is all just, yeah, they know. know. But seriously, though, great book, More Than Your Number by Beth and Jeff McCord. Uh, You'll notice my name is not on the cover of that one, Johnny. But it is on the title page. That's nice. Yeah. So. um, And you are a collaborator. Yeah. Yeah, I helped them out. There's a team, a whole team on this one is great. But guys, truly, I think, revolutionary book. Like, truly. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that because I wrote it. Like, when I first heard the concept, I was like, wow. And it is something I use every day. Yeah. Um, and I, I think this book will, will have a long shelf life in terms of the people that it reaches. And, and it gives you some super practical, super practical tools for managing your, your internal world, sort of the cloudedness of the internal world 
when you're like, why did I do that again? You know, what is wrong with me? And basically the whole gist is, is you're more than one thing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's more, you know, you, you are one person, but there's more than one thing going on inside of you. So it's, yeah. it's, it's uh, very helpful. Well, now I know all of it. And I don't need to buy the book. Thank you. No, well, you're welcome. Yeah, that was easy, wasn't it? So Cliff's Notes. Yep, there you go. You, most people don't realize that it's Cliff's Notes and not Cliff Notes. Well, it used to be Clift Notes, and then Cliff, Cliff's Notes was like a company that made Clift Notes. And so it became known as Cliff's Notes, but, but people they were just, Clift Notes. People just say, neither one of those, they say Cliff Notes. Cliff. Yeah. Yeah. Even though that's clipped, not right? appropriate. So what they've done is they've, the thing that was made to shorten books, yeah. that name has now been shortened and simplified. Man. Wow. We changed. It did, it did to itself what it was doing to everything else. We did it in America. Yeah. Way to go, guys. Yeah. It's like, why is abbreviation such a long word? Mm. That's a George Carlin bit. <laughs> Thank you, George Carlin. Appreciate that, George. Not a sponsor. So, uh, hey, guys, thanks for the time you spent with us today. We thoroughly enjoyed it, and we'll look forward to doing it again next week on Talk About That. Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take, but I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.